everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. No Daryl Grove with me today. Uh, he will be on later as we do our USMNT Transfer Spectacular. But for now, I'm going to be talking to Kim McCauley from All for Eleven over at SB Nation. Kim, thanks so much for returning to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back. It's a pleasure to talk the knockout round uh, of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Um, we've got if people have missed the schedule, North Carolina Courage versus Portland Thorns, Houston Dash versus Utah Royals on Friday, then Washington Spirit, Sky Blue FC, and O.L. Reign and Chicago Red Stars on Saturday. Uh, we've had a lot of games in a short amount of time. When Daryl and I cover tournaments, we kind of move from loving the tournament to hating the tournament at some point, and I'm wondering where you are in terms of tournament fatigue. Are you still enjoying the games, or has it reached the it's work stage, or have you moved into the I'm looking forward to this being over stage? Uh, I'm still enjoying the games. It's... Definitely a little tougher than like uh, a World Cup, just because the World Cup the the games are like normally spaced, and with this the <laughs> games are uh, ten hours apart. Which uh, I understand why they had to do it. It makes perfect sense. They can't play in the middle of the day because of the heat, and they need time to disinfect everything between games. So it makes perfect sense why they're doing it this way, given the situation. But um, if you are somebody who has to report on both games. It's uh, certainly not ideal. It's kind of messed up my sleep schedule. I, I have enjoyed the the various reporters I've seen sort of go from like, NWSL is back to like, I, I love you all and I love this league. I will be watching it tomorrow with a cup of coffee. That's my new approach to the <laughs> right. 10 p.m. games. Do you have that luxury or are you on deadlines? Do you have to stay up and get it all done? No. I'm not on deadlines, but I've heard from people who have tried to do this that, like, they'll get up at 8 a.m. and the the replay won't be ready yet. Oh, no. So, like, sometimes it takes, like, 12 hours for the replay to be available, so I've just decided to stay up. All right. Uh, What's been your your go-to of choice? Is is it coffee, or is there something else to get you through the late games? Yeah, coffee is my go-to. Always, always. Um, well, you mentioned like the work that's being done uh, to disinfect between the games. That seems to me like the league sort of obviously taking things seriously, doing what they need to do. Uh, Steph Yang wrote a great piece uh, about parenting inside the quarantine bubble, uh, which I guess it's telling that I was surprised by how much thought and care had been put into things. Are you pleased with the way the league has accommodated the players? Or again, is it telling that like I'm just surprised that a sports league has thought, uh, thought about players like needs at all? Well, I don't think it's that they thought about it. I think the players said, unless you do this, we're not playing, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely different, uh, I don't know, way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't say I'm pleased or not because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure players don't want to be too critical while the tournament is going on. Uh, we will see after the tournament ends if players say, like, no, it was, a, it was a pretty good experience given the circumstances and we think the league did all they could. Or if, you know, once it's over, they say, hey, this was actually kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of in, in wait and see mode because I don't think, you know, nobody wants to say anything negative mid-tournament. But in two or three weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if some some players came out and, you know, had some criticisms. That's a good point. Yeah, because in that piece, like, like Jess McDonald uh, is, is is front and center talking about like the, the stuff that she's been doing with her son to sort of keep him busy, keep him occupied. But you're right. It, it does have an element of like, it's good for the situation. It's not the ideal situation. Right. So yeah, I think it will be interesting to see what uh, players say after the tournament, but we still have the tournament to discuss. The Washington Spirit uh, finished up qualifying play with a win over Houston. They saw Andy Sullivan likely exit for the remainder of the tournament with a knee injury. What's the latest on her injury, and what will they do in the likely event that she is done for the duration of the Challenge Cup? It sounds like Bailey Feist could soften the blow a little. 
Yeah, Andy Sullivan is done for the rest okay. of the Challenge Cup. Uh, her, she needs surgery. Thankfully, it's not an ACL, but uh, still needs surgery on her meniscus. So she's done for the tournament. Um, good news for her is that I don't think she has to worry about like missing national team camps. I don't think the United States women's national team is going to be playing uh, any games for the rest of 2020. And even the like worst-case scenario long timeline on her injury is six months. So she should be uh, ready for preseason, assuming things go normally in 2021, which is uh, assuming a lot, given uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about politics on this show. But uh, I'll just I'll just say that I am not completely confident that things will be ready to go in March 2021. Oh, no, you you don't think this has been a a tightly run, well-oiled machine? Yeah, it's not going great, is it? No, it's really not. Uh, yeah, as we talked, I think the numbers are expanding again, and it seems like we're at uh, pre-quarantine levels. So let's instead talk about players who are taking it seriously and are uh, quarantining properly, I guess. Um, with the Washington Spirit, with no Andy Sullivan, how do you think they sort of uh, move forward in the tournament? Who do you think they'll rely on, or do you think they'll move forward in the tournament? Um, I don't know, and I'm sure that's not the answer you're looking for. Um, it's an honest that answer. You, that's a good answer. That you hope to get when you, you know, brought a supposed expert on the show. Um, but I really, I really have no idea because all of the, all of the ways that the spirit have tried to replace Andy Sullivan when she's been unavailable haven't worked that well. And I think Richie Burke knows that. I don't think he's under, under any illusions about like her replaceability. I mean, he said a million times that she is, you know, she's the captain for a reason. She's kind of the, she's the, the leader just both in, you know, off the pitch, you know, how vocal she is and in the way she plays. Um, you mentioned Bailey Feist who had a really, you know, really good game uh, against the Houston dash, but she plays like a real, you know, active forward attacking midfield kind of position she's not gonna she's not gonna sit and hold and um i don't think any of the the spirits backup midfielders are necessarily good at that role so i wonder if a if a change in tactics is going to have to be on the cards because whenever somebody's tried to fill the andy sullivan spot like for like it hasn't worked so if they did need to change up those tactics, I'm going to assume that uh, Kumi Yokoyama will still be involved. Where do you think she is best on the field for Spirit, or how might they best utilize her to get the best out of her? I think that she can play a few different roles, right? And that's why maybe mixing mixing up the tactics a bit makes sense, because she's done well on the right, but she's played as a kind of, I don't know, withdrawn striker or uh, a 10 that gets forward in the past as well. And uh, if, say, Richie Burke wanted to go to a three-at-the-back system, which he's hinted at before, um, to kind of, I don't know, make up for the need, the, the, the lack of somebody who can play Andy Sullivan's position to say, like, hey, we're going to play three-at-the-back and a couple box-to-box players in front of them because we don't have a real six, um, I think Yokoyama could still, could still play, but just like in a little bit more of a central role than she has been before, but I think she's equally good on the right or um, as that, like, second striker. So 
Richie Burke might have to change things up, might have to change up his formation or his approach a little bit. Uh, that makes me wonder, in your opinion, who is the coach in NWSL who is like most capable of doing that? My assumption is it's Paul Riley because of the depth and talent and his experience. But I'm wondering if it is him or if it's somebody else who you think is like most capable of going to a back three when they need to and then going to a back four or having two up top, but occasionally three up top. Yeah, it probably is Paul Riley. If anybody is like familiar with his his previous experience, things that he's done with other teams, like the 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 Flash team that won the championship didn't play the same way. Um, he he tried some some weird three at the back stuff when he was in Portland. Um, his Philadelphia Independence teams played a bunch of different formations. So uh, I think that Riley probably is the is the obvious answer. Um, I'm not I, I'm trying to think of who I would put at number two and I'm not sure like because I think Burke is is capable of that I think Rory Dames and Mark Parsons are too um, but I'm I am not sure between them who I would like pick as my number two where would uh, James not Jeremy Clarkson uh, factor into that uh, we've we've yet to see that the dash are able to play more than the their one preferred way um, that's not to say he can't do it. Um, maybe with more time to build the team he wants and acquire some some different players, he'll be capable of that. Because um, I just I think the Dash's starting eleven is really good, but their depth isn't. Um, and I think that's a bigger factor in not being able to use different looks than his ability as a coach. But uh, it's not something we've seen from him yet. I continue to think that uh, Christy Mewis is very, very good and very, very fun to watch, especially with her uh, passing ability and vision. Who do you think has been the Dash's perf- best performer so far, and who do you think will be most critical uh, to them uh, advancing? Perhaps it's it's obvious to pick the the goal scorer, but I think it's Rachel Daly, not just in you know the goal scoring threat that she provides, but how aggressively she presses opposing defenders and not just, you know, occupies the center backs. Like she, she can, sometimes she goes all the way out wide and like, you know, tries to enforce turnovers from fullbacks. She, you know, she covers a lot of ground. Um, but she, she, she took a lot of, she took a lot of hits in the, the group stage. She played a lot of minutes. There were a couple times she went down with a knock that, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a serious injury, but it was clear that she's uh, hurting. And I think that her, actually being like fully fit is going to be the the key for the dash if they're going to um win their win their quarterfinal and uh potentially give north carolina some some problems in the semifinals what's the matchup then like tactical or individual battles or like defense versus offense that you're most looking forward to between houston and utah uh i want to see if houston's defense can avoid uh, any kind of lapses, right? Because Utah, it's not... I I mean, maybe Craig Harrington will prove me wrong, but I think there's no mystery in what Utah's going to try to do. They're going to play the same 3-5-2. They're going to play direct balls in behind to their their two strikers who are, who are very quick and energetic and run a lot. Um, and Houston's had... A few, you know, a few really bad errors that have led to some of their their goals or some of their chances that they've conceded, and um, I think that's the the key matchup in that in that game is can Houston avoid the bad turnovers that they've had that have led to their um, the goals that they've conceded previously because 
the way Utah plays, like they're going to break so quickly and so directly to try to to try to exploit those mistakes. Which team that isn't North Carolina has the best defense defense in your opinion, or who can do the best defensive job? Like if they went up against North Carolina in the final or a semifinal or what have you, like which team is most capable of doing a sort of Mourinho esque sit bunker and then counterattack when the situation is on, but don't give up those sort of mistakes that lead to uh, error goals? As uh, the Red Stars, and I think we saw that in their game, in their group stage game. Um, North Carolina found the winner in the end on a set piece, but uh, Chicago's defense held strong that whole game. Hey, everybody, much more still to come from my conversation with Kim McCauley of SB Nation. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Artifact. You've heard us talk about Artifact several times now. Uh, it is the company co-founded by George Qureshi, formerly of Howler, formerly of The Athletic, currently of Artifact. We often get asked about the kind of origin story of The Total Soccer Show. It's not quite as dramatic as Peter Parker's or something like that. But we still get questions about how we met, how the show came to be, how it evolved, how we decided to go full time. Um, and so we commissioned Artifact to do a kind of history of the Total Soccer Show. We sat down with George, albeit digitally. Uh, he asked us some questions, and then he tightened it up into, I think Daryl dubbed it, an NPR-worthy uh, episode that you, yeah, you wouldn't be surprised to hear on public radio, which I think is a good thing. You can hear that TSS origin story at heyartifact.com slash TSS. Once again, that's heyartifact.com slash TSS. A link is in the show notes. Uh, when you're ready to make your own Artifact, you can use the code TSS to get $40 off your first piece. Uh, it is a very good time, and you can use it to sort of like capture moments or specific things that you want to preserve. So it could be the origin story of you, maybe how your parents came to meet, or if you started a business, you could sort of tell the story of the business or ask people to tell their story about that business or about your parents coming together or about you and your partner coming together. Lots of different options. Go with what you want. Uh, but once again, when you do go with what you want, go to heyartifact.com, use code TSS to get $40 off your first artifact. Thank you very much to Artifact for sponsoring this episode. Episode. Now back to Kim. Let's stay with the Red Stars then, uh, because this seems like it is kind of going exactly the way that you predicted it would. Uh, they will play uh, Rain in the next round. I was concerned about their their form or lack thereof. At, at, I think when I talked to Grant Wall on this weekend, they were bottom of the table. Again, I did not see that coming. Now they did enough to avoid North Carolina in the first round. Do you think they are then poised to turn the Jets on and, and make it all the way to the final? Yeah, especially because of Sullivan's injury. I think that if um, if, the, if we get a Red Stars spirit semifinal matchup, if both teams are full strength, I think I'd say that's a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Um, but without Sullivan, I think you'd have to say that the Red Stars are the, are the favorite. Um, the Red Stars attack still doesn't look great. That was going to be they, my next question. <laughs> they, yep. Um, they're still not getting their forwards in good scoring positions. But their but their defense and midfield look excellent. Yeah, I, uh, Casey Short got the winner against Utah. She also did look like one of their most dangerous players routinely, despite also being their left back. And I'm going to assume that that is not the game plan they were going for. They only well, have and two, she's not two a so she's far. not a particularly attacking left back right. either. She's I mean she's always been one of the best defenders in the league, and she's improved in recent seasons in her attacking contribution. But I still don't think anybody would consider. Casey Short, one of the best attacking left backs in the league. So then where do the goals come from? Or what is the issue that is like not allowing those forwards to get in the right positions to get those goals to make sure that uh, Red Stars win by a comfortable margin as opposed to a tight margin? I think they haven't figured out how to bridge the gap between what they were before with Sam Kerr and like what they have to be in a post 
Sam Kerr world. Like they're still playing pretty similar tactics, pretty similar formation, but they don't have that like dynamic running behind player. And I really thought that with the players that they that they acquired and with not having a center forward of that quality that they were going to maybe change formation to one that had like true wingers and try to work the ball out wide and they really haven't done that and i'm surprised that they haven't done that because they often look like like way too narrow like mm-hmm. it's it's just too easy for defenders to stay for the opposing back lines to stay in shape and deny the space that Chicago wants because they don't have uh, that much of a wide threat. Is there a thing that, like, if you you tune into that game uh, versus Oil Rain, like that you see them doing, or that will, you'll then think, like, okay, they're getting it right. This is what I want to see. Is it just having players with a bit more width and having more attacking options out wide, or are there other things that could be sort of symptomatic of them having figured it out, and vice versa? What will you see if you tune in and think, like, oh, they still haven't gotten this right. This is not going to go well for them. Yeah, I, I think especially against O.L. Reign, that's the key because Reign, in their last game, they played three defensive midfielders. Um, they not necess- A <laughs> couple right. of them tried to get forward sometimes and like do a little pressing. Basically, they played three defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a team that is playing very narrow and is struggling to pull defenders out of position and things are getting congested in the center normally against everybody. And then you come up against a team that plays three defensive midfielders like that just exacerbates the problem. Um, and Rory Dames is smart and he knows that I'm sure he will watch the tape. And um, I hope come to the conclusion that he needs to put, uh, if not different players on the field, align them in a different way. Um, I'm wondering if Michelle Vasconcelos is going to be ready to go for a start. She's um, coming back from a knee injury, and she's made, uh, I think, three sub-appearances. Um, she's a she's a really, really good winger, and um, like a, a true winger. And uh, I think that if she's ready to play more minutes, she could make a really big difference for them. And then for uh, O.L. Reign, uh, who drew with Portland, uh, nil-nil on Monday, uh, I'm guessing part of that would be those three defensive midfielders you mentioned. It would also be Portland not maybe having the tournament that they were hoping to have and certainly not with the personnel they've, they have. Uh, given their roster changes, like we have uh, Portland with, what, no Tobin Heath, uh, no Adriana French uh, since before the tournament started, obviously. They lose Becky Sauerbrunn due to injury. Those kind of like you can explain away uh the Sophia Smith one is one that I'm still slightly confused by because I I I knew that she had maybe a minor injury I didn't realize the severity of it but is is that the reason why we haven't seen her are there other issues going on as to why Sophia Smith hasn't factored yet yeah I, I don't think it's a very severe injury I think they're just being extremely careful because it's um it's a, a knee injury that she's like re-aggravated a couple times mm-hmm. that hasn't risen to the level of like her needing surgery, but like she hasn't, I don't, I think like fully recovered from it. So I think they're just being extremely careful about making sure she's a hundred percent before they put her into a game. 
And does that then like explain the absence of, say, Lindsey Horan in, in this game? Because I think uh, in your preview, I saw that you were noting that like you expected them to go full strength because they didn't want to finish bottom. They didn't want to have to play North Carolina, yet we didn't see Lindsey Horan. So are they basically just sort of approaching this tournament as like, yeah, it's nice to get matches. We're worried about long-term success and not sort of winning this tournament in the middle of the summer. I mean, Parsons was open about it before the tournament, saying like, Hey, number one priority, like we're going to make, you know, try to keep everybody safe and healthy. Number two priority, we're, you know, we're going to work on development, you know, both our style of play and young players. And then number three, then maybe we'll try to win. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was very open about that. Um, as far as Lindsay Horan goes, um, I, I assume if she was, if she was fine, she would have played. Um, I still I expect her to play against North Carolina, but uh, I think if she sat out, it was because something was actually hurting as opposed to we're just going to rest her. Um, I doubt it was this, but do you know how much like turf burn has factored into things? We talked about this last time, but it always bears repeating because turf is both useful at times and a vicious monster at other times. Do, do you know if players are having to deal with that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> turf burn sucks for everybody a lot. Um <laughs> But I think they even if even if they all hate it, they've mm-hmm. all they've all done it before. They've all dealt True. with it before, and it's not foreign to anybody. So all right. So then Portland, I guess finishing bottom is sort of foreign to them, but not unexpected. Do you think that they have a chance against North Carolina, or again, is that am I sort of seeing this from the wrong lens? Is it just going to be like, yeah, we're going to play some youngsters, we're going to see what happens. Lindsey Horan will probably play, uh, but if we lose, we lose. Like I'm sure that's not going to be the pre-match pep talk, but uh, I guess that what I'm asking is, do you expect this to be a bit more competitive than maybe it would have been in the in the, uh, in the first round? Well, in the first, I mean, in the the, so they played the opener, these mm-hmm. two teams, and it was a good game. Um, Portland did not get blown out. They were, I mean, they deserved to lose the game, but they didn't get blown out. Um, so every reason to believe they can they can keep it competitive. Um, I expect North Carolina to win. I think everybody expects North Carolina to win, especially if Lindsey Horan either is playing kind of hurt or doesn't play. Either way, that's you know that's not good because she's by far their most important player. Uh, if you're going to make a case for like, why can Portland make the upset Their Their defense has been pretty good in this tournament, even without uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. They've, you know, they've been very hard to break down for everybody. And uh, they are very dangerous on set pieces. Um, so if you are very hard to break down and you're dangerous on set pieces, that's the kind of the, classical formula for pulling off an upset against a team you shouldn't beat. I think you've anticipated my next question uh, quite well, because I was going to say basically North Carolina, uh, 12 points from four games. If teams try to apply high pressure, they seem, it seems like they go long to Lynn Williams over the top and her runs are excellent. If they try to sit in, then North Carolina have the kind of patience and the talent to find a way through. They too seem pretty good on set pieces, uh, especially when they're attacking them. So I was going to ask if you were, if you were Mark Parsons or if you were going to give Mark Parsons advice, what would you go with? It sounds like basically keep your same, like, defense-minded game plan and then really, really exploit opportunities on set pieces? Would that be the recipe for potential victory? Yeah, I think if if Portland had everyone available, if they had their, their full, you know, Tobin Heath, Sophia Smith, everybody fully fit, the, you know, they could, they could actually try to play their, their preferred style and, 
you know, say like, hey, we're going to we're going to play our game instead of trying to to counter yours because we believe in ourselves. Like, I think they could do that. This is obviously not that situation. Mm. Um, And given the situation, given the players they do have available, uh, I would be very tempted to go full. I'm uh, I'm trying to what's the what's the the term for this that's not uh, a cuss word. Uh, <laughs> I play you know defensive in shape deep long ball. Uh, yeah. Dive if you have to play for set pieces. Right. Uh, just a full. Uh, you know the term I want to use. I know the term I, you want to use. Yes. <laughs> um, and I appreciate your restraint. And I don't know what the like alternative non-cussing version of of that term is. Um, I like I like that we. I'm sure we have listeners <laughs> who are like screaming into their earbuds right now with with, a, with an appropriate <laughs> phrase. But no, I yeah, I, 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 think I don't we, know I what think the appropriate you. phrase is. But they should they should you know they should play two strikers, pack everybody else behind the ball. When you win it, play it long. When you lose it, everybody drops back. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. how I would play. <laughs> All right. I like that. What about for uh, Rain versus Chicago? Uh, I, I did not have Rain finishing third. That was a surprise to me uh, that they were able to do that. That said, with the way the tournament has been, I think they finished third, but they're, what, two points ahead of Portland? It's, because it's extremely misleading. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, the Rain and the Thorns have the same goal differential. And the only reason Rain aren't bottom is because of uh, some Bethany Balser heroics off the bench in one game. Uh, so even though Rain are the three seed, like I think they've been the worst team at this tournament, and I don't think it's particularly close either. Mm-hmm. Like I think they are by far the worst team at this tournament. What are you not seeing from them, or what would you like to see more of that would make them not be the worst team at this tournament? They have like zero dynamism in their midfield i mentioned them playing like three defensive midfielders it's it's not just that they played three defensive midfielders they played three like slow defensive midfielders and none of them are like great at long passes none of them are dribblers like none of them are runners they're they're like they're all like true holding players (laughs) and they've rotated in fullbacks at you know at defensive midfield when they uh-huh. had to rest people and um Shirley Cruz who is you know a legend of the game but she's she's looked a little bit off the pace when she's played they just like they just have nothing going for them in the center instead of besides like occupying space and making it hard to play against them like could, would you would you go so far as like if you're Chicago would you just be okay with them having the ball in the middle and like obviously not just letting them pass it around you but maybe not no, viewing like, literally them as much let, it, let them pass it around you really yeah what are they gonna do <laughs> just 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 pass it defensively like for, like the Simpsons gif from one side to the other and right, back and forth the whole game be, right it's gonna be either the Simpsons gif or they give it away yeah all right so so basically Chicago could potentially sit in a little bit deeper and just sort of invite that pressure knowing that there won't really be much pressure. And if, even if there is there, there will then be opposition like opportunities to transition. Would that be your approach to it? That's the problem is that there is that there probably won't be opportunities to transition. Like, I think this, I think this game's going to be bad is what I'm saying. Um, And and that's not to, that's not to criticize like either team. Especially, like, given the circumstances, like, neither team was able to have the full preseason they wanted. They weren't able to acquire the players they wanted. Like, I'm not hating on either team because this would be this would be different 
if this was a regular league season. And also, I think if either of these teams was playing somebody else, the game would be very good. This is just like the worst possible matchup of two teams in this in this tournament stylistically. All right. Well, then maybe a, a better way to take it would be: What's the one that you're most excited for stylistically? Which one do you think has the the potential to be the most entertaining of the other uh, matchups we have? North Carolina, Portland, Houston, Utah, uh, Washington, Sky Blue, and uh, OL Rain versus Chicago Red Stars. Obviously, not that one. I think Spirit Sky Blue is going to be really good. Uh-huh. Uh, and as much as I would like to see Andy Sullivan play, like as much as possible, her absence and the problems that creates for Spirit are probably going to make this a really fun game. I would be very surprised if both, if we didn't have both teams score. Uh, I think both teams are going to struggle in that, like, uh, or I guess Spirit's going to struggle in that defensive midfield area. Sky Blue is going to be able to exploit that at the same time sky blues back four is uh okay they have one of the best uh, goalkeepers in the world in uh in sheridan and their their midfield has played really well but their back line is is questionable so i think we're going to see both teams score and who would be the player uh for for folks who are going to watch that game that you would keep an eye on for sky blue who is capable of scoring goals or like making this sort of penetrating runs or finding out options with the ball at the feet like who are you sort of keeping an eye on when it comes to sky blue uh i think that ifiana monu is gonna probably have a really good game she's had a great tournament so far um playing is like kind of a real like deep lying back to goal number nine she holds the ball up and she you know creates space for her her wingers and you know links up their midfields really well and without sullivan i think spirit are going to struggle to put her off her game all right well those games uh friday saturday so you've got time to sleep between now and then and then are you going to be doing the uh the 10 p.m kickoff games are are you are you just going to be like making the coffee right before I am planning on watching all four games live. We'll see how it goes. All right. So, well, uh, I I wish you all the best, and I look forward to talking to you again. But for now, Kim, thank you for taking the time to make sense of of the knockout round. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. 